Well, hey there. Welcome to this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show, getting the promises of God into the people of God so that we can believe them, trusting the Lord more and then even more day by day, day after day, every single day, and then live in a state of trust, resting in the goodness of our God, and then praying from that place of belief and trust and rest. That really is the why behind this podcast, behind every single episode. And we're now on episode number 107. So that's a lot of promises getting into the people of God. I am incredibly grateful. I really do mean this. Incredibly grateful that you're listening today. My prayer is that you will be blessed, refreshed, encouraged, renewed, and refueled for the actual living out of your life when you get done listening to my podcast. God's Word, look, it's life-changing, and we all know that, but I want to tell you today that I really do believe your life is the perfect life to be changed by the life-changing Word of God today. Your life is going to be bettered because you took time to pay attention to God's Word. All right, let's get to it. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing on the Edify app. This is episode number 107. Okay, so recently on the podcast, what we've been doing is looking at the promises that God gave in Psalm 37. And because he gave them, they're ours. We still have access to them. They were given, so we need to be the ones receiving those promises. Uh, Psalm 37, it's a psalm that was written by David, and his psalms, they hold so much truth. Now, it's raw and honest at times, but it's just, it's like truth. It's just the truth, the truth about who God is, the truth about what it's like to live in the world and deal with daily struggles and battles, sometimes which are just huge, really big, really heavy. Um, and then the truth about circling back around. David is just amazing, his Psalms are, just circling back around and saying, God, this is who you are. Like he always caps it off with the declaration of who God is. He doesn't end on a, this is hard and I don't understand and I feel lost or even a woe is me note. He always ends praising God. So isn't that a good thing to remember that we can always end each day, begin each day praising, but we can end each day. We can cap each day. You can even cap like a bad business meeting that you maybe just had. You can cap that off with praising God by by saying, this is who you are. This is what I know about you. You, Lord, you don't change. Your goodness and endures forever. You can always cap things off like that. And David was so good at doing that in the Psalms. So yes, there's raw truth there. There's honest truth in his Psalms. And they those things remind us that we can talk openly and honestly to the Lord about the things in our lives that are painful, the things that seem unfair, the overwhelming things. And David, of course, also reminds us to be thankful people, praise-filled people. I mean, the people who know the Lord should really be the most praising people on the planet. Like we have so much to be thankful for even even on the hard days. You know what I mean? Even on the hard days. And so this Psalm, Psalm 37, as we land eh, just about at the midpoint of this Psalm, it has some really awesome truths for us that should make us a whole lot less nervous, a whole lot less uncertain, and much less unwilling to talk to God about the stuff in our life that needs his touch, that needs his intervention, um, you know, where we could use his hand and his blessing. It also reminds us to live more thankful lives because who doesn't need to be more thankful like on the daily? I do. It's a good reminder for me. Whenever I get into 
one of David's Psalms, in particular Psalm 37. Oh, it reminds me that I am not being as thankful as I could be, as I could be. And I want to be the most thankful person that I possibly can be. So this is not me um, lecturing anybody at all. Absolutely not. Nope, nope, nope. This is me reminding my very own self to be thankful daily and to stay thankful, even in the ups and in the downs. So we're going to look today at three verses from Psalm 37. We're going to start with verse 25, and then we're going to skip to verses 27 and 28. And I'm going to read these verses aloud. Um, I'm going to read from the Amplified. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous, those in right standing with God, abandoned or his descendants pleading for bread. Depart from evil and do good, and you will dwell securely in the land forever. For the Lord delights in justice and does not abandon his saints, his faithful ones. So we for sure have a couple of awesome promises that we can look into here. And there's a little bit more of verse 28 that I'm going to talk about um, at the very end of the podcast, but we're going to start right now with verse 25. Um, you know, that verse is a verse that my husband and I have been quoting for decades. It's not an exaggeration for decades, like um, getting close to three decades now. Like when we were young parents and we had loads of medical debt and we had a lot and we were just living paycheck to paycheck, we never stopped tithing and giving, like literally did not stop our giving and our tithing, literally because we believed promises like this one, Psalm 37, verse 25. We just believed. We would speak it out loud. We would thank God for this promise when we had our daily prayer time individually and together. And, you know, when we'd have something looming in the future, like, uh, I know there's going to be another surgery coming up, and I, I know what our copay is going to be. And, oh, okay, okay. We literally would just speak this verse out loud. And we would believe, like when we would see that in the future, knowing something's coming that's going to be beyond our means and our finances that we are not going to be able to humanly take care of, we just would literally choose to believe verses like this one. Like I have a lot of memories of choosing to stand in a place of belief based on the words that we read in Psalm 37, verse 25. And you know what? Never, not even one time did this promise fail to prove true. Our God is always, always true to his word. Verse 25 says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous, those in right standing with God, abandoned, or his descendants begging for bread. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. Never. What a bold word, that word, never. When somebody uses that word never, it can seem like an exaggeration because honestly, it is used in exaggerative forms all the time, Like, but not here, not in this verse. David, he's not exaggerating. He is stating that never in the course of his life. Now think about some of the things he saw in his life. Like never in the course of his life has he seen the descendants of the righteous pleading for bed bed for blood, bread. Oh my goodness. I'm fumbling on my words today. Never seen them pleading for bread. And he has never been abandoned or seen the righteous, those who are in right standing with God, abandoned or forsaken. So let's think about that. He's never seen that. But what are the things he had experienced in his life? Think about him on the run from King Saul, like for 13 years. That's a lot of years to be living in caves and hiding out and trying to escape from somebody who has tried to kill you and is 
kind of hell-bent on killing you, on taking your life, right? And he was living in caves, but not alone. Hundreds of men came to stand with him, to fight alongside him if need be. So as the leader, he would have held some measure of responsibility for making sure they had what they needed, like for feeding them, right? And also, what about the care of their families? Their families were not living in the caves with them, but we read from other places in the Word of God, not from the Psalms, but maybe like First and Second Samuel, we see that David took seriously the care of the men and their families. So just thinking about that one aspect of the life of David and then reading this verse that says, he has never seen those in right standing with God abandoned or their children, their descendants begging or pleading for bread. Well, never means never. Never means never. David never saw it because it never happened. So our asking needs to line up with what God's word says, right? So when we pray, let's ask, but with a state of like belief, just like David never saw this happen, Lord, I believe. So I'm asking and praying right now as I say this, but I'm also stating with belief, I believe that I'm not going to be abandoned. My children are not going to be in dire straits. Do you know why? Because God, I will never see the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And that may not sound like I'm asking, but it is praying. It is making my request known to God, but it's doing it in such a way that's saying, this is what you said. And I just flat believe it. So, uh, you know, you can ask yourself a good question here too, right? What's your standing like with God? How are you standing with the Lord? Are you in right standing with him? As this verse says, you know, that really comes through Jesus. You and I can't clean ourselves up enough to forgive our own sins and, and be righteous and holy enough. We can't do it. But we, so we get a right standing through Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And then, of course, we want to continue to live in a way that honors and glorifies him. And that includes obedience. So be quick to obey. And that's something you can pray. Lord, give me feet that rush to obey you. I want quick feet, Lord. I want to be light on my feet. I want to obey you instantly, quickly, totally, completely, and out of love and trust. You can pray that. You can pray that over your kids, too. That's a really good thing to pray for your family. Uh, So if that's how we're living, won't this promise be our promise? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It sure will. Speak it, pray it, believe it. In this verse, never really does mean never. It's not an exaggeration. You, your descendants, will not be pleading for bread. You will never be abandoned by God. Say this is a this is the kind of promise that the whole world is seeking. Like the whole world. They want peace so much, peace of mind. And they want freedom from worrying about all the things and the the stuff of life, which, of course, a big part of that is provision. The whole world is full of people who want to know that they won't be abandoned or forsaken. We we look for it. People look for it in relationships and in the workplace, in our friendships. We want it in our families. We want it from, you know, our um, our neighbors. Even we want it in our churches. We want this stability, this kind of hope, this kind of promise. We want this. The world wants this. But really, this can only come through the Lord because only God can make a promise like this and keep it. People are people. They're going to let us down, and we all know that. But we all know we were made for some kind of a connection with um, another living being that is not going to lead to abandonment that will provide for our deepest needs and all of those needs, like your physical needs, your spiritual needs, your emotional needs. We get that in the Lord. So isn't that amazing that the one who knows we have that need 
is the one who makes a promise. And then, of course, is the same one who keeps that promise to us. It's beautiful. This is a beautiful, beautiful verse, verse 25 of Psalm 37. And I hope that you and I can grow, and this is a growth process, daily to trust God more, like for his provision, absolutely, literally. I mean it, literally trust him for bread for ourselves and for our descendants, our children, our families, and also trust him that we're not going to be abandoned. I will not be abandoned. I'll not be forsaken because my God said so. And so it is so, and it will ever be so. This is a promise filled with so much blessing. I mean, there's blessing here, blessing here, just the peace of heart and the peace of mind that we get from a promise like this. It's actually worth more than gold. And I really do mean that literally. It's worth, what dollar amount do you think people would pay for this? Like it's worth more than gold. And so saying all that, I want to end with this about verse 25, believe it. I really want us to believe it and to receive the full measure of all the blessing that comes as a result of that belief. Verse 27 says, depart from evil and do good and you will dwell securely in the land forever. You know, that's very specific. God did not have to be that specific. If he didn't want to be, he wouldn't have been. You will dwell, will dwell securely in the land forever. So don't be in the camp of people who are doing evil things, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer as a disciple of Jesus. Um, But sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Let's not be in the camp of people doing evil. I don't think you need a diatribe or super specific breakdown about what is actually evil and what isn't. Those kind of arguments are kind of futile and they don't make a lot of sense. They don't accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. I'm not going to split hairs with anybody about what's evil and what's not evil. If it's in the word of God enlisted as sin and abomination before the Lord, the kind of thing that the Lord says of such a thing I have never conceived, which in case you don't know what he was talking about there, it's about child sacrifice. Um, look, that's evil. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, there's, it's a non-negotiable. God said it. That's the end of it. I'm not going to split hairs with you about whether or not, you know, well, I think you could probably watch this and it's not such a bad movie in that. Okay. If there's even a debate about, and you need to justify it, are you sure? Are you sure that it's even worth arguing about? Or do you already kind of know the answer and you're just trying to figure out a way to get what you want? And what we want often is to satisfy the three things that are mentioned in First John. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay, just going to leave that there. We're not going to split hairs about it. I'm not going to get into it. You don't need a lecture, but you also don't need to be argued with about it. Because honestly, we already know. We know. We know what's evil. You know what's evil. You know what's not evil. Um, you know, if it can't be done in love, if it isn't filled with the fruits of the Spirit, eh, it's probably not super righteous and God-honoring. The New Testament, it tells us not to even be around things that have the appearance of evil. Avoid even the appearance of evil. Why does it say that? So that people looking from the outside will see that Jesus has really made a difference in our life, that we're changed, that we're different, that we don't look just like the world. So we want to avoid even the appearance of evil. Why? Because the Bible tells us to. That's why. Um, it, you know, that says it best, avoid even the appearance of evil. Like, even if it appears evil, don't be around that. You know, how down in the weeds should we go with this? You might be wondering, well, look, Jesus took this stuff pretty seriously. This seriously, seriously enough that he said, if your eye causes you to sin, you would be better to gouge it out and be blinded in one eye than to give in to that sinful living. And if your hand causes you to sin, you're better off to cut it off and to be maimed but not in sin. So 
yeah, it's pretty serious. Jesus took it that seriously. That means it's that serious. It's like he was saying, hey, would you take this seriously? Like, th that's the kind of response Jesus would give when people would be like, well, what about this? Let's split hairs on this. He'd say, oh, okay, how about gouging out your eye and cutting off your hand? That's how serious it is. So um, let's stop splitting hairs. I'm not going to tell you. This isn't an A-B test. You know, this is like, ser it's, it's serious. That's the end of the matter. So if he took it that seriously and we really don't take it that seriously, uh, who's wrong? Who's in the wrong? Not Jesus, I'll tell you that much. So how far down in the weeds should we go? You go how as far down in the weeds as you need to go in order to take it as seriously as Jesus said to take it. That's how far you need to go. Um, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The, the flesh is not going with you into eternity. It's not going to help you or benefit you. It's not going to be thinking about the long term. It's screaming to be satisfied now. Your task is to kill off your flesh. Crucify your flesh is what the New Testament says. Crucify, that means it's dead. It's done. And our flesh is not like the resurrected Jesus. It's not coming back to life. It needs to be killed off and left dead. And it's not coming with us into eternity. So it doesn't get to call the shots. Okay, that's really pretty frank. But I think um, if you've listened to my show for any amount of time, or even if you're a new listener, welcome to my frankness. I guess that's just how I am. I get really passionate about the Word of God and about believing God's promises. But to believe God's promises, we've got to understand all of what God's Word says, and we have got to pay attention to what He says is important. This is a big one. Important enough for Jesus to say something He did not say all the time. Gouge out your eye, cut off your hand. Yep. That's important enough to pay attention to. Time is short, folks. As a woman who is living with heart failure, I guess I'm a lot more up close and personal to the possibility that any moment, any moment could be the end. Time is short. All I have to do is pull out my portable EKG monitor, run a test and look at it. And it's probably like, I never know what I'm going to get, good or bad. Sometimes I feel like a million bucks and I take that test and go, wow, I'm having that problem today. Other times I don't feel great. And it's like, oh, uh, normal heartbeat. Wow, that's amazing. Look, I, I see this more up close and personal because of the state that I'm living in. But that's, I guess, what equips me to convey to you with some passion. Don't delay on heeding what the Word of God says. You will always only benefit by paying attention to and doing respectfully. Do and I'm saying this respectfully. Do what the Word of God says. It will only benefit you and it will always glorify the Lord. So you don't need me to tell you what is good. You just need, or what is bad. You need me to tell you, you don't need me to tell you what's bad, but you do need to just depart from evil. Like this verse says, leave it. Don't stay with it. Don't remain there. Just depart. That doesn't indicate a later return. Coming back around to check this out and see if it's improved any, if it's, if this dead corpse has gotten any more alive. No, depart. God wants us to be far from you because you walked away from it on a long-term permanent basis. It's permanent. So be a departer and instead do good. And you don't really need me to tell you what is good. Beating a dead horse with this, you don't need me to tell you thing. And then here I am rambling anyway, but you already know what's good and it's all over your Bible too. So the good you ought to be doing, it's, it's going to jump off the pages of your Bible. So long as you are opening your Bible and reading your Bible, want to know what good things God wants you to do? Open your Bible, and that's where you'll find out. And once you join those who have departed from evil and now are doing the good works that God the Father wants us to be doing, that is when you're going to dwell securely in the land forever. That is where 
the promise comes in. You do your part. God will keep his promise always. And your part is to depart from evil and do good. And then what do you get? You get to dwell securely in the land forever. Um, I'm one of those people that I just take a verse like this literally. In the very land where you live, in whatever country on this planet that that may be. And there are people all over the world who listen to the Burt Not Ernie show. Last month, there were people from 49 countries who listened to the podcast. And is that not awesome? Yes, that's beyond awesome. Like the big C church as a whole, the global church, all of us all around the globe, all around the world. That's who we're going to be spending eternity with. We're going to spend eternity together. And I really love that via things like podcasts, we have some kind of a connection here on this earth before we step into eternity. I love that. You know, you're going to live securely wherever you dwell, whatever country you're living in. Take this promise seriously because it's in the word of God in order to be believed, not to be reasoned or rationalized or explained away, but believed. And when we believe a promise from the Bible, that is us actually taking it seriously. This is your promise. Believe it. Believe it for your workplace too. Oh, I'm going to dwell securely at my workplace because the word of God tells me that I will dwell securely in the land. This is where I work. So this is quote unquote, the land that I've been given. Like you're not farming the land. You're not ranching the land. You're not raising whatever kind of flocks and herds and livestock they would have raised all the way back in, you know, in David's day. No, that's, this is your land where you work. This is your land. Claim this and believe it for your workplace. And I'm not like the name and claim it person, but I'm saying if you are not willing to believe and speak out loud a promise from God over your life, you probably don't really believe it. And when we do believe it, we literally are laying claim to it as part of our inheritance in Christ. Pray this over your church too, because our leaders, our pastors, the people that we go to church with on a weekly basis, man, they need to be covered with believing prayer. And you can be the one doing that praying and God will hear you as you pray. You will dwell securely in the land. Man, that's such a good, good promise for us. Okay, verse 28 For the Lord delights in justice and does not abandon his saints. In parentheses, it says faithful ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The Lord delights in justice. Look, our God, he is not in the business of ignoring injustices. He delights in justice. He sees and he will set it right. He is merciful and he wants people everywhere to come to salvation, to experience his forgiveness. No matter how wicked that person may seem, Jesus died for them. God wants them to experience his forgiveness, but God delights in justice. So a time of reckoning, it's going to come. It will come. Somebody may need to hear that today. God does not ignore injustices and a time of reckoning will come. You know, you have an eternal promise here when it says the faithful ones will live forever, right? You're going to get to, um, you're preserved forever is what it says in verse 28. You get the blessing of, of the now part of the promise, dwell in the land securely, and the forever part of the promise because you're preserved forever. If you know Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, the one way to heaven, the one way to receive God's forgiveness, then you will be preserved forever. That's a huge promise. That's a huge promise. In these three verses, we, we find promises enough to sustain us in this life, in the right now, and promises enough to sustain us for eternity. Isn't that amazing? God's promises truly are amazing. If they are not 
letting us stand in like a state of awe, if we're not being amazed by them, um, gosh, I don't even know. Read them again until you stand amazed because they are amazing. They should amaze you. And isn't the one who makes these promises generous and kind and merciful, merciful and benevolent? And I am just tangling up my words today. I can't say merciful and I can't say bread. So yeah, merciful bid. Um, isn't he just benevolent? He, we have a benevolent God, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. That is the very last part of verse 28. At the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that I was going to read it at the end. That's the part, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. God says this clear as day and he means it. He means it. He says what he means. He means what he says. God does not love, does not love for wickedness to increase and to continue and to spread from one generation to the next. You know, that's kind of how it goes, right? Have you ever noticed how the descendants of the wicked are cut, are cut off? Think about that. Think back to some truly wicked people historically, just the ones that, that we know about. Do they have descendants? A lot of them don't. Think about that. The descendants of the wicked will be cut off. Evil can spread like the plague, and it easily passes from one generation to the next in family lines. God just does not love that. You know what I mean? He just doesn't. So when he says there will be a cutoff point, well, then we can be certain that that's exactly how it will be. It will be so because God said so. It's important to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's New Testament. There's also some bits of that that you can find in the Old Testament. It's it's important to do those things in the sight of our children for them to see and then to also encourage them to do the same thing when we teach our kids to do those things to live like that to live that way not to do but to live putting the lord first in everything oh it matters you know what we teach our children it matters so much character matters having good character and teaching good character matter. And actually, I'm just going to drop this here. I wasn't going to mention this, but I realized I was talking a little bit about character here. In an upcoming summit that is for parents, primarily homeschoolers, but not necessarily, you know, you don't have to be a homeschooler to benefit from this. I have a session where I'm going to be talking about character training and its importance. So if you're interested in that, um, you can find out more um, you know what, when it goes live, when it's open and available and there is a free option, I will post in my show notes. But if you are interested in character development in yourself and in your children or as a parent, how to develop character in your children, because this world needs our children to grow up and be people of quality character, uh, you will want to check out at the very least my session, maybe some other parts of the of the summit. I don't want to pressure anybody to feel like, oh, you got to buy a ticket because you can watch it for free, like on the day it releases. But um, I don't want you to miss that if that's something that would benefit you. You can trust that the same God who did these things that we find in Psalm 37, who did these things in the life of his servant David, he's going to do them in yours also. God is not a respecter of persons. That means God does not pick and choose who he's going to care for and bless and when and where he will or won't keep his promises based on things that, that like our status our achievements, our prosperity, our lineage. And God is not a respecter of those kinds of things. He is an equal opportunity blesser. He's an equal opportunity promise keeper. And you cannot sway his hand 
by getting your life together more. It doesn't work that way. The kingdom of God isn't like getting into Harvard. You know, if you have great grandparents who went to Harvard and your great grandpa, he was such and such and so and so, and I can drop a name. That does not amount to a hill of beans worth of difference to our God. These promises, they're yours so long as you know Jesus as Lord. That's it. Do you know Jesus? If so, these are your promises, period, period. If you do know the Lord, believe these promises and then just watch God keep his word to you because he will. He absolutely will. Okay. Hey, so my course on Psalm 91 is available now and I would love for you to join. It's uh, the link. I'm going to put it in the show notes or you can check it out on my website, which is just my name, J-A-N, middle initial L, last name B-U-R-T dot com. Uh, you can also use the Google and just search for Psalm 91 course, Jan L. Burt, and it'll come right up. It's an audio course, so um, you can listen to it just uh, on your phone, on your device. Usually that's a phone. We don't, I don't know. Do we, it, does anybody listen to podcasts on their iPad or tablet? I don't know. Um, maybe. I know sometimes I listen to a podcast on my desktop when I'm working on something, so I guess that's possible too, but you can listen to the lessons right there, wherever you listen to podcasts. And as a special offer to a group that I'm a part of, um, it's a prayer group that is filled with like, ah, prayer warriors. And they just believe God's word with everything they've got as an offer to them. I have discounted the, the course pretty significantly for a short term before like the summit I mentioned before that actually goes live. So I have a set price for that summit. So I've discounted it for, um, this group and the summit discount is actually already a discount. So if you are interested in taking advantage of the discounted price, uh, it'll be around for a couple of weeks. So right now it is mid May of 2022 and through the first few days of June, 2022, I'm going to drop it all the way down to $21. When it's full price, it's going to sell for 49. So this is a significant discount. When it bumps back up for the summit, it's going to be 37, still a discount. But if you want it for the $21 price, you know, you can have it. And in the future, I'm going to be adding some video lessons to it. Those will be on a different platform, but I really wanted the audio so that people complete it because when people listen, they complete. And the point of Psalm 91 is not to kind of know some of it, but to get through all of it, to know all of it and to believe all of it. That's where the real blessing comes from. So for 21 bucks, you know, what is that? Like four coffees definitely is money well spent uh, because it will change the way that you pray for the people that you love, pray over yourself. It literally is a life-changing passage of God's word. And every believer needs to know about and study and pray Psalm 91. There's not much I can think of that is of higher importance than really understanding and believing passages of scripture like Psalm 91. And God put it in there for us to know the blessings of him speaking some beautiful things over us as his people. It's like life-changing, pretty much life-changing on every level. So check that out, please. Psalm 91 course with Jan Elbert. Google it or just look on my website. My name, janelbert.com. 21 bucks for the short term. Um, yeah, I'd love for you to join me there. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And look, backing off of the, the, um, the course content, back to Psalm 37, these promises are for you. Do not forget that. God will keep his word. And you are not ever, ever, ever going to be abandoned. And you will always, always, always be provided for. And you will dwell securely in the very place where God has you right now. And you're going to be preserved for eternity. That is what God has promised. And it is for you today. Thanks for being here. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode. I will see you back here 
next time for episode number 108. I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.